Hey, how you doing? It's Clayton here from HowToDrawComics.net. This episode, we're joined by co-host Rick Bulow to answer the big question all of us aspiring artists have been wondering. Is drawing a natural, God-given talent that you either have or don't have? And if not, can it be cultivated? That's what the HTDC podcast is all about, asking the big questions for the comic artist community. And by the end of this episode, we're hoping we're able to reach some kind of verdict on that. Now, Rick, I know you've got some strong thoughts on this topic. Why don't you start us off here and let us know what you think about the whole talent versus sheer persistence and determination debate. Well, first of all, I, I just have to say I'm back and I'm happy to be back. It's been, a, it's been a minute, it's been a few weeks, and I'm excited to be back. I can hear the excitement in your voice. Yeah, I'm, try, I'm trying to hold back as much as possible. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to be back, and this... This talk is a talk that I actually like a lot because it's a talk that's be, being mentioned and, and it's always a, always a subject that comes up in conversations if we, if we sit down artist to artist like, oh, you got, you got, you got talent, you got yada, yada, yada. And, I'm, and it always gets me angry and here comes, here comes the answer you're probably looking for for me. And it always gets me angry because no, the short answer is no, it's not a God-given talent. The short answer is no, it's not a God-given talent. Yep. Period. Yep. The, lo the longer answer, the answer is, but in the same way that some people are more adaptive to be good at sports, uh, to be good athletes, there's also some people that, that are more adaptive to become better artists than others. Yeah, they're kind of already susceptible to being able to gain and hone their abilities a little bit faster than maybe the rest of us sometimes. And it can be really hard when you look at the amazing artwork that's out there. Like, all that comes to mind is, holy shit, you are talented right and i think a lot of us say that to ourselves because one it's just awe inspiring we look at it and we don't know what to think it is absolutely when they say that a piece of artwork is stunning sometimes it really really is it stops you in your tracks and it can be all that comes to our mind is that it's this person is talented and i think the reason for that is is because Having talent is a great excuse not to actually put the work into getting as good as they are. At least that's how it seems on the surface sometimes. Um, so I guess my take on it is, in a strange way, I understand that you know with enough determination and enough thought being put into it, you can get good. You can get your skills to a level where they're pretty much on par with, you know, the Jim Lees and the Mark Silvestri's out there, the Todd McFarlane's, right? The question is, I guess if you go back a bit to, you know, when you're a kid, there are going to be some people who are just naturally inclined to pick up a pencil and start drawing. They're just, they've got that creative mindset. So I think they end up getting somewhat of a head start. And maybe in that aspect, that could be what you might refer to as natural talent. Just the desire to pick up a pencil and draw anything in the first place. But then at the same time, isn't it interesting that many of those same children kind of fall out 
of pursuing that ambition. They fall out of pursuing art as a career and they end up, you know, maybe jumping onto something else that they're passionate about. And it seems to be that, you know, if you're talented at something naturally, it's almost like you take it for granted, possibly. You know, I'm sure some people take it all the way through to the end and they really make the most of it. They turn it into the epitome of what it can become. But I also feel like, on the other hand, that there's a lot of people out there who start out very, very bad when it comes to drawing. You know, they might be 30 years old and they decide that they just want to be an artist. They never really thought about it before. They never really considered it as something that could be a reality for them. But, you know, the the comic art bug has struck. They've, they've just, like, I was literally out to dinner the other night. We had a giant artist meet up in Melbourne. And one of the guys there who is actually taking one of my courses, um, the proportions course to be exact, you know, he's giving me feedback and I was asking him, like, how long have you been doing this stuff for? Because, you know, he was taking a whole bunch of courses. He was really getting into the study side of it. And the funny thing was, is he had only just discovered comics, right? So he had gone to a comic book convention about two years back, met David Finch and didn't know who David Finch was right? He just saw the cool artwork that he was creating and thought, hey, you know what? It'd be kind of neat if I could do the same thing. So, you know, and every now and then I'll get a older student in my class at school who, you know, they've gone through their 20s, they've had a lot of fun, they partied a little bit, and they've kind of had that opportunity to find themselves. But now they, they've reached a point where they're ready to stick with something. And sometimes that happens to be art in one capacity or the other. It might be for concept art for video games, movies, but it could also be comic book art as well, which is really just dynamic drawing when you think about it. Uh, all of this stuff requires you to understand perspective and proportions and you know anatomy and that kind of thing. So it's all the same thing, really, at the end of the day. And it does require you to get your head into the books and start to harness this skill set. The question is, are the people who are jumping into it later on, who are serious and have this mission to really get good, to really level up their abilities, more motivated to do so than those with a natural talent who kind of don't really think about it that much they just draw because it's fun until it's not fun anymore and then what happens right so is talent even a good thing do what do you think rick well talent talent helps you give you gives a head start in in my opinion help as you as you as you ask 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 as you asked if if having a talent helps you all the way no, it doesn't, because at some point, even even that talent that gives you a head start will will stop, and you'll start facing facing the same challenges than, that every other artist has uh, have, and then you you need to find the mindset of keep pushing on as as those others have, or give up, which many people do. They choose to give up when the challenges when the talent isn't enough anymore they they just decide to give up instead of pushing on which is a shame which is a waste of that talent they were given in the first first run but i don't think i don't think there's an age on when you can start becoming a good artist i mean when you when you when you if you've had a life before you start you already have you already have gotten some some teachings in like in other dimensions of 
classes and studying and you gone to school and college and whatever and learned uh, learn to to study a proper uh, a proper uh, appropriately in in like math or the or the other simple uh, classes you take there there yeah totally so if if you come in later on you have that in your back you have that in your back pocket that experience your back pocket that you wouldn't have if, if you were born with the talent and it just came natural so you become more of a study studying stu- more of a student when you start rather than a, a natural unnatural artist in the start if that makes any sense yeah big time you have that ability to be disciplined you know because you've had to be throughout your life you've you've had to mature a little bit and you know that in order for good things to happen you kind of have to wait a while you need to invest in them first in order to get some kind of return on that investment and i think there's no other thing that that's true for more so than when it comes to cultivating your abilities as a comic book artist it takes so much time so many hours right 10,000 hours to master a skill is that what they say rick yeah, give or take, give or take, yeah. Something like that. And that is a long time. That is sticking with it. If you're going to get to the point where you've spent that long and you've mastered your abilities to that degree. So I think that's a super interesting thing to think about. I think it all comes down to motivation. And, you know, I think back to when I was younger and whether or not I had a talent when I was a kid. And it's funny because I think I heard a lot from other people that I was talented. You know, my mum would say I was talented. My cousins and family would say I was talented. You know, all the all the family friends that I would show my artwork to at the, at the dinner parties and whatnot would say I was talented. And so I heard that a lot. And then when I went to school, of course, all the kids around me, none of them really drew that much. Some did. You know, we'd catch up at lunch, we'd draw some Dragon Ball Z characters or make up new Pokemon, and that was really fun. And we we were kind of known as the clique of artists at primary school at the time. You know, we'd stay in the lunchroom and do comic books together and stuff like that. I remember, actually... One of the uh, one of the comic book characters I had back then was like this squirrel called Duper Squirrel, and he'd fight this arch villain called the uh, I think it was the Evil Gingerbread Man, and you know pretty wacky combination. But that was probably the earliest comic I did. So I was making these things back in primary school when I was like, you know, year six, year seven. And I brought that through with me through high school, through into adulthood, and I kept on pursuing it. And I asked myself, well, what was it that actually kept me pursuing it in the first place? Because, you know, half of our argument is here, Rick, that if you're talented you and you're told that you're talented, which means you kind of, you have this idea that you're talented, you tend to take that for granted. You don't push yourself as hard as maybe someone who was really passionate about getting good but didn't feel like they were quite yet there yet, right? Yeah. You, you reach those plateaus and and you feel like, well, there's, there's not really anywhere else for me to go from here. So you kind of take your foot off the pedal and you start to relax a bit more. Meanwhile, the other guys who have it in their mind that they're just not good enough yet and they're never going to be good enough are just, you know, they're speeding ahead because they're constantly learning new things. They're finding ways to improve on the skills that they've got. So there's... When did you... 
Yep. When did that? When did that hit you? If it had have have hit you, have hit you the border between when the talent is slowly giving up and it's becoming more of a struggle. If you had that, as we talked about earlier, mm. many talented people have. Have you had that? Have you had that wall where you had to f- uh, f- fight through something to realize, okay, this is when I now 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 it becomes hard work. Yeah, absolutely. And even the listeners listening right now, you know, really think about it. If I was to ask you, you know, whether or not you believe you've got some level of skill, I do you feel like you're more motivated or do you feel more motivated when you're like, okay, there's this other artist out there that can draw better than me and I'm not quite there yet. Are you more motivated by that, by knowing that you still have a while to go? So for me, Rick, um you know, I think that what kept me balanced, what kept me going, despite the fact that there were all these people that loved me around me telling me how talented I was, is that I knew that there was other people out there that had a far greater amount of ability than I did, okay? And that was what was inspiring me to draw in the first place. I remember that one of my friends that I was was going to high school with again, once again, uh, he would cover his books for school in like these cool this cool artwork that he'd get from calendars right and i think that uh one day he brought a book to school it was his maths book and he had lewis royo on the cover and i didn't know it was lewis royo's work at the time but i remember seeing that and i was just uh, i looked at it and i was just in awe of how awesome it looked to me and I was, and it was things like that that just really got my creative juices flowing, and and kept me going throughout all of those years. Kept me drawing because I was constantly inspired, and that was my outlet. That's how I got that the good feelings of creativity out into the world that I was experiencing was through my drawings and my sketchbooks. So for me. I knew that there were people out there that were better. It was Louis Royer to begin with. Then it was Greg Capullo. You know, I jumped onto Spawn uh, in probably about mid-high school, in the year 11 and 12. And I got the uh, the DVD of Todd McFarlane, The Devil You Know, and I watched that. And, you know, I saw this artwork, and I was just like... It, it's almost... It's exhilarating to know that there is such a depth that you can dive into when it comes to the when it comes to the extent to which you can develop your abilities with this this stuff that's what excited me it was like there was no limit like this there was no limit you could take it as far as you wanted to and you know it was an expanse of potential as far as my abilities went so i was very excited to jump into it and i had this firm belief that the reason that i could pull it off was because if you stick with it for long enough and you just put the time in and you continue to learn, you continue addressing the mistakes, looking for the errors in your ways, as far as being an artist goes, that you will eventually get there. Okay, I didn't really believe that there was any limits other than time, the time that I had to put in in order to make the distance I had to make to get my abilities to where they're at today. So I think, yeah, in the end, it was about being humbled. That's what kept me pushing myself because I wanted to get to those higher levels that I saw other people reaching. So your answer is you really you didn't you never really had that wall, but you knew it was there, so you prepared yourself for it before it got there. Yeah, totally. And I guess, you know, if I had have never 
looked at other people's artwork, if I never knew that it was out there, I probably wouldn't have tried to push myself to those same, same perceived levels that I saw in their work. You know, so oh, oh, what about for you, Rick? Were you the kind of artist who, you know, when you were younger, you, you were the kid in school who had all the talent and everybody knew that you were the artist? Or did you, throughout the years, kind of get that over time? You slowly improved more and more. I always hated uh, hated being told that, oh, you got talent. Yeah. Especially in my older years, because I'm like, no, I, I, I fucking traded. I fucking so spent all my life uh, to to for, for this. I I don't have any. T- a talent. I've never felt I have talent. I've always felt I've had to struggle with every little thing when it comes to art, mm. and it's not a. And and I loved. I, I I've loved that struggle. I've loved the challenge. Even to this day, if I don't draw for like let's say just, let's say th- three days, I have to go revisit, uh, revisit stuff, that I usually remember quite well if it's. If it's on a daily basis, but if it's only three days, I I have to go revisit it mm. because it's 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 almost forgotten. It's not planted inside me as many other artists has it has it in them. I I don't think when I think about it that I was born. If 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 you're given to, let's let's talk if 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 it is premeditated when you're born what you're supposed to be good at. I don't think I was supposed to be an artist. Right. If if that makes any sense, because I feel I feel like if I was if if I was meant to be it, I I wouldn't forget. So uh, my body wouldn't forget simple things as drawing a proper anatomic anatomical correctly head mm. that easy as if I only stopped doing it for two for. Two to, uh, two to three days, I have to go back. I have to look back at, at just I, I go back at just some progo videos yeah. just to get the basics because those are easy to go get up if you just need to need a quick reminder. Progo got everything when it comes to that. Totally. And now I got and now I got it. Uh, Foychuk's uh, garlic glove, <laughs> garlic chrome. That's right. Yep. <laughs> and that's that's gonna help me as well for sure i was one of the first that bought it i even i think because i was like heck yeah this will this will help me his garlic clove memory. yeah the garlic clove that you bought from him exactly <laughs> yeah his, his tutorial on how to draw comics.net yeah buy it and you'll understand the joke totally but totally. my point is but to answer your question I don't think I don't think I had the talents. I always I always thought my talent is was something else mm. because I'm good at all, very good at all, other th- things that got, like shooting guns like on on uh, for fun and when we're having fu- fun and in practice shooting ranges and all that. Yeah, those things comes almost natural to me without me having to practice it. <laughs> Ooh, but that's a I bit think, scary. Well, shooting ranges, you know, shooting uh, cans of 
Well, those fun things. I haven't shot any people. Yet. If there's a zombie apocalypse, I'm gonna give you a visit, and you can protect me from all the uh, the infected. How about that? You, you, you live in Australia, man. I know. Uh, there won't be any infected coming to you, and if and if there's infected, they'll take a week and they'll they'll be gone. That's very true. Very true. I'll just go to the so, desert. They won't get me out there. Exactly. You'll be as safe as can be. All the Australian no. animals will eat them. What? All the Australian animals will eat them anyway. Yeah, that's true. Even your koalas. Oh, they love zombies. Did oh, I tell you that? Oh, oh, oh zombie koalas. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, but that that's... I don't think I ever had the talent. I never felt that anything ha has been talent when I've looked back because it's always been a struggle. I don't know if that's just how it feels, but... Mm. It's never come as natural to me as it, as other things have that has been hard for other people. Is what I'm basically want to try to say. Cool. So, what was it that kept you going? Like, why were you inspired to pursue it in the first place? Because I think for me, something that drove me was that encouragement from other people. You know, they were like, "You're talented. Like, you know, you're gonna be, you're gonna make something great of yourself one day with that ability," and. You know, that was something that I held on to dearly. You know, I was like, I'm an artist. Like, it gave me the identity of being an artist. And that's what kind of, you know, I guess, roped me into the pursuit of it, as well as the fact that I was very inspired by the other art that I was seeing out there. But what was it for you, Rick, that uh, kept well, you pursuing up, it despite I, all of that? I, I liked the art, and when I was in class and I was drawing, I was told that I was r really good. And, of course, as a child, I liked being told I was as good as what I do, especially when I didn't go come home and show show my father. <laughs> I know I know one listener called Chris loves when I tell this story. My yeah. when I show my father stuff, uh, my some of my stuff, and he decided to either rip it apart or hang it up. Yeah. On yeah. refrigerator, and that was my that was my motivation to get my father's approval. So you wanted to like prove him wrong and show him that you could draw exactly. some wicked stuff. I mean, all my life has basically my mindset. My, my whole life, it basically, in everything has been, has been to prove people wrong. When people say that I can't do it, I say, I say, watch me. Yeah. I'll, I'll either learn or die trying. Yeah, big time, man. That's that's how I've been, and I think that that feeling from uh, all those years ago, when I was a child, is still stuck with me when I draw today. I think it's still that I, I need to show my father, even though he's long past accepted that I'm a good artist in his in his <laughs> view. That's but awesome. he say, but he he said that he he refuses to put more shit on his refrigerator because it's already already heavy as it is. Now he got grandchildren <laughs> and all that. Well, yeah. That, uh, and is your daughter artistic? She, she tries to be. She loves she loves singing and she loves writing. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, uh, you know that's creative in its own way. Exactly. Me and Ed talked about it in our in our little podcast some episodes back. You know when you left us alone. Yeah, when, when I abandoned you guys for for an episode. I know. I'm yeah, sorry. When you left when you left the asylum open. Yeah. I'll never do that again. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I see we when we sit and talk sometimes and I started talking to her that you know that doing comics people write the story first and she's be 
beginning to become interested in that aspect that understanding that okay you also need to write the story behind the comics first and she also <laughs> begins to understand that before a movie come before frozen as an example is made it's all also just a story yeah well you're doing the right thing rick teaching your daughter how to make comic books from a young age it's what we all should be doing really if we're responsible parents yeah yeah <laughs> We were me and Ed are gonna teach you to be the most responsible parent before you get a, get a uh, child. I'm sure I'll try to be. I'll attempt to be. We'll see what happens. I might just draw too much and and end up a, neglecting I, I've, them. I've told you. I told you already. If it's a son, you gotta name him Clint. Clint. What? Why is Clint, that? Clint Barton. Come on, that's Hawkeye. Oh yeah, that's right. I keep forgetting that. Well, okay. So serious question, Rick. When now I don't know if you've seen these being posted on the How to Draw Comics community, but there was someone who made a post, and they shared a link that showed, I think it was either an it was an African kid who was very young, you know, they were like oh, yeah. twelve yeah, yeah, or yeah. eleven or something like that, and they were oh. drawing these insanely realistically rendered portraits, like they were a billion times better than I could ever dream of being, and they were so young. Now tell me, what is that? Is that talent because there's no way in the world that they could have put that much time into practicing their skill set and getting that good from nothing that's that's copying what your eye can see but i mean that was a damn good copy oh yeah yeah i agree it's, it's like a the, damn good imagine copy, but, imagine the skill but, that goes into that right like you're but, you're a painter you use observation right and you know how much time goes into you know using the tools in just the right way to get the correct but shade it, or to have the light bounce off the the form in a certain way but the problem was if you look if you looked at just a little closer we had the discussion on on, on it as well if you had it just looked a little closer than <clears throat> than what the camera allowed you to you could see how flat and lifeless the the drawings actually was oh damn Okay. I, I did that uh, because I had to study it and see, okay, this can't be true. But then, <laughs> then we and other people agree, agreed and wrote the same that it was lifeless. And when you really? when you post and posted it, you could easily see it that it was a direct copy, like drawn from from a picture to an eye. Because that in, in itself, we've talked about that before, Clayton. That's easy to learn if you're focused on learning that. And I do believe if you if you if you're being pushed to do that even from child, it, it mm. doesn't take many many years to learn. Yeah, that part, true. that part, because I don't think he, I don't think he even uh, the, the artist even thinks about the muscles or the skull or anything inside, yeah. inside of it. It's just direct observation. Be, yeah, and I do. I'm not saying that's. I'm not saying it's easy, but, but we've had the, that talk before that, it's easy to. It's easy ish to learn i do agree with that i do agree with the fact that dynamic drawing is quite difficult to do precisely because instead of copying something you're making it up completely from scratch and you have to make it look convincing enough that it is real i mean that's the that's the catch right and so there's a lot more things that need to be considered like you said when you are just looking at something and you're copying it it's 
pretty easy to to observe it closely enough to kind of get all the information down on the page without having to think about any of the the fundamentals so to speak like you don't have to be consciously aware of the perspective you're dealing with or the muscle structure or necessarily even the proportions if you just have like a natural eye for looking at something and then photocopying well, it down onto the page you'll need <coughs> you'll You'll need to if you want to bring life into the picture. That's my that's my mm. point. And he doesn't. You so, you need yeah. to have the knowledge of understanding the anatomy behind the portrait you're doing in order to give it the life that it needs to and, make it a good looking portrait. Yeah, and are you aware of that there's there's other kids out there who do the same thing? Right? They're super oh, yeah. young and they're brilliantly talented. Well, I do agree that there are some, there's uh, like, I think it's a Finnish, uh, Finnish nine-year-old I've seen that does some amazing paintings as well. And she says, she says, she, she, she draws what she sees from her dreams. Wow, and that is amazing. That's, I, I, that, that, those incidents makes me reconsider my, my. Yeah. But again. I told you I would play devil's advocate on this but, one. But and but then again, they're only children. And we agreed on that earlier. That when you when you have the talent, it's easy to, at first. It's mm. easier because you have the talent to to run with. But when but what when that talent the talent alone isn't enough? Mm. What if he continues? Uh, what if they continue just ride on with their talent? And then suddenly they get told to do something differently and then they just everything breaks for them will they fight on or will they give up yeah i think it'd be more that they just get bored it's like hey i've drawn i can i know that i can literally draw anything at this point so what's the next step here where's the next level at and i think that that's the cool thing about knowing that you still have a little more work left to go before you do reach that perfect level where you're going to be 100% satisfied with where you're at. I remember listening to a recent video that I watched um, from David Finch's Inca. It's his new Inca. It's not uh, Joe Weems. Uh, let me see. I'm sure I've got it up here somewhere, actually. Let's have a look. Um, okay, so Jimmy Reese, right? I was watching a bunch of his videos on YouTube, um, just to get a bit of a take on how he goes about his inking, and he is insanely talented, by the way, if you're wondering. Super sharp line art, just the kind of work that inspires my own inking style. But he did mention that when it comes to inking, you're laying down very similar line work. You don't really have to think about the proportions or the anatomy of the figure in any way. You don't have to think about the perspective, none of the composition, all the work has been done on the drawing. So you're just tracing over the top of it. And Joe Weems said the exact same thing. He said, don't, don't, um, don't think that it's more than what it is. Really, you are just at the end of the day, inking up the pencils. And in order to do that, the pencils have to be there, right? And your job as yeah. the inker is really to enhance that image, to make it the best and possible interpretation of the original artist's idea that it can be, okay? So that it can be presented in, in the best way that it can. Now, he said that the process of doing that requires you to sit down for a very long period of time, hours and hours and hours, going over these drawings. 
And it can get very tedious and very boring, especially on a detailed piece. And when you think about it, you have the main contour lines that surround the the major forms of the characters or, you know, the, the props or the, the background scene. And then you've got the rendering that goes into it and the shadows, right? And there's certain ways to go about rendering. You can crosshatch. You can create certain textures to give it that extra level of visual interest and depth. But still, at the same time, when all is said and done, that is finite. That's very finite. So how do you keep it interesting? Because, you know, when you're laying down stroke after stroke, and I do bring up inking because it's a very repetitive process, what do you focus on then, right? And it's kind of the same deal with your artwork. Like, when when you've figured it all out and you know the process, like the back of your own hand, and it's so straightforward that it's it's second nature to you, what keeps you going? You make you make a part of a relaxation moment for you, a part of meditation. When if I did, when I did larger paintings, when I had to paint almost the same, the same, uh, this uh, paint a sky, like with uh, very little different nuances and all that. Zone out, zone out, put on some music and just zone out and let it be your. Let it be your moment. Let it be your medit- meditate and relax upon it, and just do it, mm. and use it as part of relaxing instead of stressing about it and working about it. Let it use those parts that you know you're good at and you know by heart, and you can can do with almost closed eyes. Yeah, totally. Don't don't get annoyed about those. Be excited about those because those give you a a moment of respite and yeah. relaxations in the middle of your work work time, you know. That is where you get oh I get oh yeah I get I get a break I get a break now so to speak I get to relax now even though you work you still get to relax because you can zone out while doing it. Yeah, big time. You can switch on some music and just chill. And that is really a good part about art. Like when you get to the point where you've kind of put in all the groundwork already and it's structurally sound and you can sit back and relax and just keep on working on it until it's done, right? And you already know that it's going to take a certain amount of time. It's going to take you a couple hours to complete, but you don't really have to think about it anymore. I actually love that a lot. I guess if you're doing it every day and you are an Inca, for example, um, or maybe you do covers and that kind of thing. Like I often look at say, uh, the covers created by J. Scott Campbell. And I notice how a lot of his characters usually have similar poses. And I wonder, does he get bored with them? Does he try to experiment with them? Or is there a certain comfort in knowing that he has created a set or a library of poses that he can go to, and he knows that he's going to end up with an awesome-looking image, and it really does look awesome at the end of the day. You can't blame the guy because those poses are fantastic, you know? Um, especially the one that he picks for his uh, female characters. Super beautiful, elegant, and sexy. But but does, it, but, but does it challenge him? Exactly. That's the question. Does it challenge him? And does he get nervous that it's not challenging him because maybe he's slipping up in some areas? That's how I always felt when I was learning this stuff. I'm like, well, I haven't felt challenged in a long time. Your sound, your sound went off there. Am I back? Yeah, you're back cool. now. Um, I haven't felt challenged in a long time, right? So 
Should I be looking for ways and areas that maybe my artwork is weak? Do I have any? Um, and so I think that, and this is again what um, what our friend uh, Jimmy Reese said in his inking videos was that it's important to change things up because of that. Like if you find that you're getting to these plateaus in your artwork where you're repeating the same poses, the same compositions, and you're using the same kind of anatomy, you know, the same body types, the same faces and that kind of thing. And by the way, that is not a bad thing at all. A few things that have come up working on this superheroines course is the fact that all their faces are the same. That's totally intentional, by the way, because when it comes to protagonists such as Superman and Batman and, uh, you know, like Wonder Woman and that's another female superhero, you know, Miss Marvel and that kind of thing, they all have set the same faces because a generic face is relatable to everybody. If it doesn't look anyone like anyone in particular, then the audience can kind of click into them and, and imagine that maybe that generic character could be them, right? It's kind of like why characters wear masks as well for that reason, because it could be you wearing the mask. But, uh, you know, back to what I was saying, I think that if you are doing the same thing over and over again, maybe experiment with your style. See if you can grow it in different ways. You know, of course, you're always going to have that foundation that you go back to, that structure, that part about your drawings that says it's you, that is uniquely identifiable as your personal style. But at the same time, don't be afraid to see if maybe you can render a new type of texture in a different way. Or maybe you attempt to create an, an interesting looking material through a new series of, uh, you know, te again, textures. Maybe change up the poses and that kind of thing. Because I'll tell you one thing, Rick, that I've been noticing lately is when I sit down to draw a, bu draw a bunch of poses for a new illustration, there's really only a select few that I've got to work with now like I can't really think of any and so that that kind of thing makes me worried that makes me go well hey hang on a second this means that I'm not practicing enough pose variations that I've got to make sure that I'm constantly building that mental library of potential poses that I can pick from in order to you know make a make more variety within my characters like that's the thing. That's why I asked that question with J. Scott Campbell. I wonder if he's only got a certain assortment of poses that he tends to use and maybe another set that he thinks of sometimes but is a bit more challenging for him to do. And I don't know. I feel like you've got you to stretch it out a bit. You've got to make your abilities elasticized, elasticized in a way where you're able to you know, have that variety in it. And I think in the end, that stops you from getting bored. That keeps you pushing the limits. So if you're out there and you're listening to this podcast and you do <laughs> feel like you've reached this point within your artwork where it's kind of, um, you know, you don't feel like there's any more room to grow, like you've already kind of made it, then see what you're doing that is the same, you know, over and over again, the habitual actions that you take when it comes to constructing an illustration. And what could you do differently to mix it up a little bit? Are there themes that you haven't ventured into? Poses that you haven't experimented with for your characters? And and as I said, if you can keep on pushing yourself down those avenues that have yet to be explored through your own creativity, then it's definitely worthwhile for you to do it, especially if you're starting to feel like, you know, things are getting a little bit monotonous with your artwork. I completely agree. I mean, we've talked about this many times. You 
there's there's nothing there's there's no such thing thing like being hundred percent perfect and complete with art. There's always something you can do, something you can practice, something you can consider you haven't done enough. Like you said, you you feel like you may you you may need to get back on posings or do do some more different posings because because you feel like maybe you're becoming stale in in the cho- in your choices. Yeah. So so you need to as an artist you also need to be, be be aware of this because else you will become stale and your and your fans will see that and because, and and notice this as well. I mean I've noticed at Yamili if you if you look beyond all his great his his great details and all that he's not really big on poses either. Yeah, he uses a lot of the same poses. In fact, I think that he even um you know, he replicates the exact same poses for all of his characters. You know, Superman has very similar poses to, say, Batman, you know. And he has come up with a certain, I guess, body language that he uses for his heroic characters. And that was kind of what I was referring to again before. Like, you want your characters to be relatable as heroes if that's what they are. And heroes are always going to stand in a certain way. They're always going to be framed in a certain way to enhance their their divine powers, you know? And so I think that it's not such a bad idea to have these go-to characteristics that allow your characters to be more relatable to the audience. But, you know, maybe in your own time, when you're, you know, sketching up and experimenting with new character designs, um, maybe try out a few different things that you could add in there that you haven't really looked into before. I think, really, it's not the heroes necessarily and the heroines that you're going to find the most variation within your artwork. You're going to get that from the bystanders in those superhero comics. Or if you're doing more of a comic which is, you know, drama-based, it's not re- or, a, or a detective comic or a cowboy comic or something like that, it's going to that's where you're going to find the variation in the things that your characters wear in the way that they hold themselves in the silhouettes that you're dealing with in the facial structure right um that's where the the most variety is going to come through and that can be super fun to play around with you know there's so much potential there uh superhero comics are to be honest with you a very generic medium to work within they're super fun and people love them but they love them because they're generic right the most generic things that are out there in movies and entertainment and comic books is the most generic stuff and it's because it's super relatable cliche isn't a bad thing it just means it works well you know you can see that you can see that with people that now wanting different shapes of females in their comic superhero comics now, even though even though that's that's never been a thing because every every female in in comics has to look beautiful and sometimes heroic and sexy, like the male uh, male counterparts also has to mo- most times look because. It's the cliche. It's what we're used to. It's a classic. It's the mm. what we like watching, and that's why many people go by start moving away from that and go go towards the indie scene because the indie scene allows you to do comic books with with a fat hero as an example, mm. and, and such, and that helps has helped open it up a bit more 
because they don't have those rule, uh, quote unquote, rules that everything has to be a flashy, funny, sexy, good-looking, and mass and strong, and heroic. Yeah, it's a very interesting debate actually. And um, I was actually I was talking to a friend about this the other day, who uh, who said in the new heroines course that I'm working on, I said, "What do you want to see?" And he said he wants to. He wants to see how to create a superheroine that's, and I'm going to use a bit of a safer word here, that's not, you know, sexy, um, who who looks like a normal person. Um, and I agree that there's not a lot of superheroes or heroines out there that look like real people. I totally understand that. And uh, the interesting thing is, is that what we have to consider is character design and really who and what that character is. Does it make sense to have an overweight superhero when you think about it? I mean, if you have a hero who is strong, powerful, who's agile, who has great reflexes, does it make sense for them to to be overweight? You know, e- even if it's to make it relatable with the audience. And I think that's why this movement has happened, to make these characters more relatable to normal people. But I think what they've forgotten is that when it comes to superhero comic books, that's not the reason why people read them. They don't they don't read it to to get in touch with themselves. They read it to explore a world that is far greater than them, where they get to be the hero, right? They get to escape into this fantastic reality where the rules of reality no longer apply, where you've got these this amazing cast of characters that is bigger than life. That's what makes superhero comic books so exciting because it is unrealistic to have a superhero who is so strong and and so agile that they can leap tall buildings in a single bound that they're able to deflect bullets off of them that they're able to you know have super strength where they're able to lift a bus for example like of course that would never happen and you know i'm not going to feel insecure about watching superman lift a bus you know i'm not going to beat myself up about it that i can't but I am going to look at that and I'm going to think it's awesome and how cool it would be if I had that same powers, you know? Mm-hmm. Because exactly. when I was a kid, I'd watch a Superman movie and I would want to, I like, I'd dress up as Superman. I wouldn't, you know, my mum got me this uh, this little Superman costume for my, my birthday one year and I would wear that thing every single time uh, I watched the Superman movie. I didn't want to wear my normal clothes. I wanted to be Superman, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be no, a normal in, kid. We got something in common there because yeah. I, when I was little, I also had a Superman that I ran around with, even not even Halloween, just whenever I wanted to. Yeah, totally. I, I was looking forward to when it was weekends. I was told because then I was allowed to wear it. Absolutely, absolutely, and you know, again, that's that's getting into that whole debate. Um, that's, but I did want to bring up that point because I think you know, having focused on, on character design over the last few months and having taught it year in and year out, especially in video games design, you want your audience to relate with your characters exactly how they're supposed to be related with. And there's going to be certain characteristics that immediately tell them everything that they need to know about that character just from the visuals alone. So, yeah, I mean, you know, taking it back to uh, natural God-given talent and that kind of thing and 
you know, really leveling up your abilities, I'm not, I'm not saying that you shouldn't break away from that. I think you definitely should try to push yourself to come up with something more interesting and unique, but within the boundaries of the archetypes and the tropes that you're dealing with. I mean, that can be an opportunity for you to get even more inventive. Um, how, like, what would really a realistic superhero look like? It's really hard to think about that because inherently superheroes aren't realistic at all. You know, you might have heroes, you know, the, the firemen and the policemen and, you know, the soldiers that go out and fight for us there. But, um, you know, beyond that, superheroes with actual superpower don't exist. Um, but, yeah, and, and that's the reason why I think there is a lot more experimentation you can do with the things that do. Like, you know, when you're talking about fantasy and, and medieval uh, themes, for example... You can experiment with different armor types and different designs there, different costuming, um, different personalities and that kind of stuff. You look at a TV show like Game of Thrones and the vast cast of characters that play the roles they play throughout that story. It's really amazing to look at. And I think that there's a lot that you can work with. You know, that this is what I mean. There is no limit to what you can study to the areas that you can grow in when it comes to your drawing abilities. So regardless as if you think you're talented, here's, here's what I always used to say um, and, and what I tell my students every single year when I work into the classroom for the first time and introduce myself. I say, look, regardless of what level you're at as far as your abilities go, talent is nothing more than how motivated you are to get good at that which you're most passionate about right to how dedicated you are, you are to what you're going to risk to what you're going to sacrifice that's really what talent is is unrelenting determination because that is the result the the result of that is all the work that we look at and and point to and say hey that person is talented no they just had the dedication they just really were passionate enough to pursue it, and it wouldn't let them go. They, For them, they had no other choice. They had to put in the hours. They had to have the late nights, and they had to, you know, maybe sacrifice friends or sometimes even family in order to get to the point that they wanted to be at. And I'm not saying that's a good thing. You know, we had Ken and White on the podcast a few weeks ago, and, uh, and he said the same thing. You know, there was a point that he got to where he just pushed it a little bit too far. And I think that's the case for a lot of artists, even myself, you know, I've got to kind of, I've got to kind of, uh, you know, <laughs> bargain with my partner a lot of the time in order to get the the time in that I need to get in to reach the, the deadlines that I've set myself to reach the points in my abilities that I want to get to. Well, as long as you, he, as long as you all, don't always win those bargains, that's, then it's a, then it's a healthy, healthy relationship if you, if you allow her to win as well. We, we I mean, come to healthy compromises. Healthy compromises that suit her the best. Well, that... <laughs> well actually, no the, the funny thing is that the compromises we come to uh, suit both of us better. So I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um, you know, I've mentioned the Superheroines course a few times now, and I'm working on that this month, like, non-stop. Like, it's coming out December 10, and it's got to come out, right? I've told everybody about it, so I had no choice. I've got to get it done, regardless of how much time I've got to work on it, right? Um, mm. So, 
you know, we, we, we kind of worked it out. And unfortunately, I can't see my friends as much as I'd like. You know, Corey was going to, you know, join us on the podcast. But unfortunately, I couldn't couldn't really catch up with him to do that because, again, I'm just so focused. And, and I said to Erica, you know, honey, you know what I'm going to do? We'll catch up in the evening for maybe half an hour, an hour, and I'll give you my undivided attention and we'll talk about the day and we'll, you know, we'll get that that needed intimacy that every relationship requires and then I'll go back to work and I'll, I'll come to bed when uh, whenever my work lets me go, <laughs> right? But, you know, that's the thing. I, I think regardless of where you're, you're at as far as uh, your abilities and, and how far you want to take them, you know, you need to maintain your relationships to an extent, but ask yourself, well, you know, if I really am that dedicated and I need that much time, one, should I, uh, how am I going to maintain those relationships? And just talk, talk to your partner, talk to your friends and let them know what's going on. You know, the last time I caught up with my, my best buddy, I said, look, dude, this month is crunch time and I'm probably not going to be able to see you in a few weeks. Um, and he was kind of disappointed, but that was okay. You know, he understood. And as long as they, people they, understand where rather, you're at. They'd rather have your honesty in that way, even as, as hard as it is to complain like that and say it as directly. But they'd rather want that instead of getting getting brushed off by continuously trying to get in contact with you. Yeah, I, exactly. Exactly. Um but yeah, man. But you're like, but you you're lucky as well because you got a, de- a dedicated woman that knows <laughs> that knows what it is to be to have a passion about something and a commitment. So in that in that sense in that that sense you you got a you 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 got it you got it got it lucky. But I can also understand that it still must be hard for 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 relationships. I I've never had. A longer-lasting relationship, personally, that's where it's been a struggle. I mean, right now, I'm in a relationship for the, for the last two years. That's basically started off with me telling that, hey, I got this this work here, mm. uh, and that's that's basically my passion and my life. Besides my daughter, right now, if you want to be part of my life and I want you to be a part of my life, yeah. I need you to find places in it <laughs> where it doesn't go against this. And she said, fine, because I also have my my stuff that I don't want to. Hmm. So, and that in that sense, we we already already had stuff going that we w- wouldn't depart of. So we that was easy to settle as an as an agreement there. But I can understand how how it can be hard for someone who had a relationship and then suddenly things get hard or a Sunday suddenly things gets intense oh yeah absolutely and sometimes study you know especially if you're say you're studying art at university or you're, you're doing what we're talking about and you're just getting your head down in the books sketching away for for weeks on end for months on end to get good to get to a place that is you know satisfactory to you and where the amount of progress you want to make within a specific amount of time then you do have to find people that are going to support you in that learning process that are going to push you to grow and that are going to be proud of you for doing it because 
it does often require those sacrifices. And and honestly, there's just sometimes no way around it. Um, you know, different people are going to react to you in different ways when it comes to that stuff. You just got to hope that the people who matter are going to support you in those endeavors. Um, but yeah, I mean, well, in my opinion, if they if they don't understand you when it matters, they they weren't the right people to begin with. But I'm very I'm very shut down when it comes to shut down mentality and that subject. Oh yeah, hardcore, huh? Yeah, well, you know, live and learn, right? Yeah, totally. Totally. You live and learn. And um, I guess, ultimately, in order to wrap up this episode of the HTDC podcast, because we do have only about four minutes left, um, you know, what I'll say, just to, just to take what we've talked about here and to consolidate it for those out there who are still wondering, you know, whether or not uh, talent and having it is going to serve you, whether or not if you don't have it, you're never going to be able to get to the place that you want to be at. At the end of the day, talent really is just a buzzword to me. And I guess that whatever talent means to you, that's totally your opinion. But hopefully it doesn't stop you from pursuing that which you're most passionate about anyway. Because honestly, it really is just all time. And being very, being very analytical about where you're at you know what processes are you doing and what results are they getting in your work are there certain areas that could use a different approach in order to yield a better result because sometimes you know we get into habits you know we render things in a certain way or we draw our characters in a particular way and it's important that to remember that there's probably a always going to be a better way to do it and your mission as an artist on your path is figuring out what those ways are so that you can take it up to the next level endlessly, right? It, it really is infinite, the levels that you can get to. And what excites me is thinking about what is it for me? What, what's my artwork going to look like when I reach the best that I possibly can be at creating it? I mean, it's just, that is exciting to me. And, and it's something that keeps me going, keeps me pushing myself and keeps me exploring those new avenues in order to uh in order to get there i mean you've you've never done traditional actual painting as as a as something if i'm if i'm correct you've been mostly focused on comics so when it comes to that you you have plenty of of other aspects to continue down believe it or not rick if, if, if comics ever gets boring believe it or not rick i have actually i've used oils before i've used acrylics and I've used charcoal and watercolors. Oh yeah, yeah, but I, I meant more like in the same fashion that I haven't mastered I've, them. <laughs> I've I've focused I focused most of my life on that, and first now getting into the comics uh, comic stuff hmm. is what basically what I basically what I meant because as a as a point to what what you said that you. There's no chance in, in hell to say, to say politely that you can grow stale when it comes to art because there are so many possibilities for you to continue work on. Yeah, absolutely. You just, you just need to look at it and there'll be plenty of options for you. Big time, man. Um, is there any final announcements that you've got before we wrap up today's episode, Rick? Not, not really. Except for maybe, except for mentioning that 
why I've been out the last the last few podcasts is because of my, as I mentioned just before recording, I am suffering from potential nerve damage in my shoulder and it's been a little down. So it's good to be back Thanks. and I'm happy to be back and happy to help me put my mind off things like the HDC uh, Facebook group does a lot as well. It really takes my mind off of the pain in my shoulder right now. So I am, thank you, thank you everybody. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm glad that the uh, community and the podcast can, can give that to you, Rick. That's great. I mean, honestly, oftentimes if I need to be inspired or I'm in a slump with uh, with myself and my artwork, I'll go to the HTDC group as well on Facebook and check out what's going on on there because it does kind of put things in perspective, take your mind off things. It's it's a good thing. Um, but you can always, you can, sorry, sorry, you can always get a good discussion going as well. Absolutely. And you can have fun. And before we end it, I got a challenge for you. You talked about that uh, that uh, squirrel hero you made yeah i i, I want to i, I want to see a see a version of that yeah totally well when i have oh. the time to to do it i'll make sure that i post it up and i'll tag you in it so that you can I see really, what i'm talking about i really about. want to see see that in your in, in the style you got now that could be funny yeah he was a fun character inspired by uh, conquer's bad fur day if uh, any of you Nintendo 64 veterans out there ever played that. Um, but yeah, uh, the final announcement that I want to make before we wrap up today's show is that if you're having trouble with the anatomy in your characters and you need to scratch up on it, then what I would highly suggest you do is go over to howtodrawcomics.net, check out the courses section, and grab a copy of Ed Foychuk's new How to Draw Comics Anatomy course because... Basically, what that's all about is he, he goes through the entire muscle structure of the human body and breaks down every single muscle group within it, shows you how to reconstruct it on top of a very basic skeleton as well. So, you know, I highly suggest checking that out. He's a fantastic teacher, phenomenal artist, and honestly, that's one of the reasons that I approached him to do this course personally. So um, I've bought my copy and I absolutely love it. It's helping me so, yeah. to, to refresh my memory on anatomy, to be honest, and I didn't realize that I'd gotten so rusty with it. Um, but, yeah, it's always good to have a refresher. I love it. I have, I've watched it. I've watched it already just, just because I wanted to, and it's really great, and it helped me, helped me a lot as well. That's awesome, man. Yeah, it's a good one. Definitely a keeper. All right, well, that pretty much wraps up today's episode. We hope that you got a ton of value out of it if you're listening. And uh, as always, thanks so much for joining us. And Rick, thanks for being here with me. It was an absolute pleasure. All right, I'll catch you guys next time. Until then, keep on creating. <laughs>